0: okay welcome everybody to our second sheikh Shir over here in Nir um, just a slight recap of last time they told me that uh, that the best way to learn over here is to feel, learn the mimer inside so this time we are just going to learn a mimer but the hakdama that I gave last time was basically that we need to learn to use chassidahs to visualize the guhulah to realize that the guhulah is an experience of the ebshter it's able to reveal himself in the world, and that sounds like something that maybe we can't really know what that is until it actually takes place. And we said that to a certain extent that's true, but it's also true that Chassidus is describing to us what that experience is going to be. And one of the reasons why Chassidus is doing that is so that we can learn about it and learn to visualize it and grow in our emunah and our tzipiyah for Mashiach Based on a thorough understanding of what is actually going to happen on Mashiach Homs, beyond just the physical descriptions, but also the spiritual aspect of it. So, in that shir, I mentioned how in different Maimarim um the Gula is compared to different experiences like Nivua, and like Kriyas Yamsuf, and like the Gilead of Mikdash, and Mat-Tayra. So, it's in those Maimarim that talk about those subjects where you often find a lot of the understanding of what's going to be in the Gula so this mimer that I've chosen for us to learn, for however long it takes us to learn it um, is the first mimer of the Rebbe that really goes into the subject of Krias Yamsuf. and you see clearly how Kriya Siyamsuf is used as a as sort of a tool to explain what is going to be in the Gula and that's what the, the mimer is going to be about so we're going to learn it inside together, just go through it and we'll spend more time on those parts of the Limer that are su- that are shy to this discussion of visualizing what's going to be in the gula based on chassidus so since we're going to learn inside, so everybody should just I'll read and translate, and everybody should feel free to jump in whenever they want it's not uh, such prepared or like tight sure, you know, we can have a discussion and, and it's all good okay, so let's jump right into it and uh, we'll just all learn together and we'll see what happens okay So the minor begins the Hechim, Havayas Loshin Yam Mitzrayim. Hashem will dry up the tongue of the Sea of Mitzrayim. and he'll wave his hand over the river. And, and he'll split it into seven streams. So, like a lot of Shvichal Pesach and Achron Shal Pesach, Meimar, we see the is from Achron Shal Pesach. It starts off with a nevuah from the Haftarah of uh, of Shal Pesach that's describing all these things. It's going to be with Mashiach. Right? Almost every mimer of Shavuot Shal Pesach and Achmir Shal Pesach is, is based on a nevuah from Sefer Yeshayah talking about what's going to be in the Gula. And the Rebbe says, "Does that al hasida al It says that there's going to be a branch. Uh, a shoot that comes out of the stock of Yishai. In other words, there's going to be a redeemer who's descended from Yishai like David a Just like we know that there's there's a general rule that the whole gaula that's going to be in the future through Mashiach is similar to the Gaula that happened in Mitzrayim. tells us that just like the days of our going out of Egypt, Hashem is going to show us wonders again when we go to the Gula. So there's this general concept of a similarity between the Yitzit and the Gula. <speaking in Hebrew> so just like generally they're going to be the same, also the details of them should be the same. <speaking in Hebrew> like the end of the Pasuk says, um, that it's like the days of your going out or going up from ari's shrine now that i was going to ask a few questions since we're saying a general rule that ku is going to be similar to going out of its rhyme and the splitting of the sea that we spoke about in the beginning rhyme Right? So we see that Hashem, again, is doing something with bodies of water. So since this splitting that Hashem is going to do, uh, and the rest of the project that it says is going to split the river into seven streams, since it's going to be similar to Kriyas Yamsuf that was already in the past, So... <speaking> in Cain, <Hebrew> muvan so, if so, that they're supposed to be similar, it's not understood why there are so many differences between them in the way that they're described in the <speaking in> Bayam. <Hebrew> One changes that in Yitzitz Mitzrayim, the splitting was only in the sea. <speaking> in <Hebrew> if you look at the passage about the future, it says that Hashem is going to dry up the sea and He's going to wave His hand over the river so if it's supposed to be the same thing happening again so why is it also adding in the river? so now the Rebbe says you might give a simple explanation it could be even though it would make sense to say a simple reason should when they left Mitzrayim they were going a certain direction that required them to pass through the Yamsuf. So, since they had to the pass through the Yamsuf, so that's what Hashem split. <speaking in Hebrew> so, why in the future are they going to pass also through the river? <speaking in Hebrew> because they're going to be coming from other places. They're not going to come from the shrine. they're going to come from all these other lands. So practically speaking, because they're coming from all these other places, they're also going to have to split a river to get there to stroll. Yeah. The uh, means that it's going to be split or it's going to be divided into seven streams. I always wondered about that. What's the difference? I'm saying because it's Mashmah that he's going to be there's one river and it's going to split it into seven streams. That divides into seven saying there's going to be seven bodies of water, not seven gaps. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. Right, that's interesting. I never I I just, I never looked it up. <laughs> interesting to look at. I never looked into it either. It's okay. interesting. And then my marm that I've seen that talk about it, it seems to just compare this them yeah. like point blank. There's seven. This one's right. seven. This, this one's, this one's, this 12. one's this 12. Right. Um, that's like an interesting point. I've never yeah. seen it yeah. addressed. Yeah. I don't know. Good question. If you find anything on it, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe if there's seven streams, there's six gaps. Yeah, but i rabbi right. always talks about seven. Right. Yeah. Seven it sounds like. You know. So maybe then it's eight. Then it will be <laughs> seven <laughs> gaps in it. <laughs> eight is Mashiach. Right. <laughs> we should look up the mafarshim. They probably deal with. It. Yeah. Um, so the, so the river says. Seemingly, you could say a practical reason. Let's not make a big deal out of it. They're go- back. Then they went through the sea. This time they have to go through the sea and the river. We have to go through the sea and the river. I should say. Right, it's a, it's just a practical thing. So the Rebbe says we can not accept that simple explanation. So aside from the fact that this simple explanation doesn't, ex, doesn't explain the change in the wording, that this time by the sea it says the which it does not say about Kriyas of that was by the shrine. Shabbat-teves v'hechrim yish sh'te pirushem p'irush achas hu shv'hechrim hu meloshem yoyvesh like I translated at the beginning that v'hechrim means to dry up the sea hu p'irush ha-bez hu shv'hechrim hu meloshem cheyrim that cheyrim is a certain type of dedicating something to Hashem like Hektish. so 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 they're saying by this splitting of the sea that's going to be in the future, it uses a whole new word, the Hefshin, that it never used such a word like that, when they to So the fact that Torah is using a different word to describe it, so it can't be that it's really the same exact thing, just that practically it also has to be um, with the river. So, but besides for all that, there's the main point. Um, oh, actually there's another Shinobi Lashun, it's it says that he's going to wave his hand, right? Also, a wording that was never used. So, in other words, if it's a, again, if it's the same concept, just that it's a practical difference of which bodies of water need to be split for us to get there to straw, so then it shouldn't be describing in such different terms that were not used in the Torah with regard to Yamsu. But the Rebbe says, besides for all that, Hare ha mea we know. Besides for all that, that the point of Kris Yamsuf was not really to save us from the midstream. In other words, to save us from the midstream, Hashem didn't really need to split the sea. The Levad from the Because besides for the fact that Hashem has a lot of ways he could do something, if Hashem wants to do something, he could he's call he could find a lot of ways to do it. He's not stuck that he has to do it in a way of splitting the sea. But again, aside for that, Aside from that, it says in Taisus that they came out of the sea the same side that they went in. The same side they went down is the same side that they went up. That's what Taisus says. That this forces us to say that Kriyas Yamsuf was not about just saving Eden. Because if it was just about saving the Yidin, so they should just go straight. Why'd they come out the same side that they went in? Oh, so, what was Chris Yamsuf instead, if it wasn't about just saving the Rather, this was one of the spiritual things that had to happen when the Yidin went out of Mitzrayim. That with this, now that we have, have an understanding that Kriasyamsuf is a is a spiritual event. So now we understand what it says in the Haggadah, Lanu We say in the Haggadah by the Seder that if Hashem would split the sea for us and not pass us through it, Dayenu. How does that make any sense? <laughs> What's the point of splitting the sea on a simple level? It's to save us, it's to get us through to the other side. So how could we say if he split the sea, but but we didn't go through it, So you have to say that the splitting of the sea itself has some kind of spiritual value. So this all makes sense. It was not about just saving the yidin. Practically, it was one of again one of the spiritual things about going out of Mitzrayim. So according to that there was a spiritual event and it was, a, it was part of the spiritual process of going out of shrine. so then if that's what it was then I don't understand why there's going to be a splitting of the sea and a river because it implies now that there's going to be a spiritual difference right? because the whole the Yamsuf is a spiritual event so if, if we're saying there's going to be a splitting of the sea and a river so that has to be a different spiritual event does that make sense? Yeah. And there's another difference between the splitting of going out of Mitzrayim and the splitting that's going to be with Mashiach that Kriyas Yamsuf happened with a staff Mashiach was holding a staff even though it was through a hand, like the Torah says, that that, that Maishu Rabbeinu stretched his hand over the sea. But it was still also through a staff. There's not going to be a staff involved, it's only going to be through a hand. So, just stopping for a second, for the end of the paragraph, so obviously we're going to say, now that we've defined Kriyas Yamsuf as a spiritual event, obviously, we're what we're saying is, on the one hand, Kriyas Yamsuf is going to be similar to what's going to be lost, this drying up of the river and waving his hand over the... Uh, excuse me, drying up of the sea and waving his hand over the river. On the one hand, it's similar, and yet there are changes. So before we even go further into the Mimer, we can already see that what we're saying is, Kriyas Yamsuf was a certain spiritual event, which we're going to have to understand what it was, but it's a spiritual event, and when Mashiach comes, there's going to be a similar spiritual event with a few changes, right? So even before we develop the details, you can see how Kriya Siyamsuf, if we understand what Kriya Siyamsuf is, so then we're on our way to understanding what the Gula is going to be. We're just going to have to tweak a few details or add a few details or or something, but the difference is in the details. But if we understand what Kriya Siyamsuf is, then in a general way, we have an understanding of what the Likosa is going to be in the Gula, right? right okay so let's go first <laughs> to understand this we have to first explain what exactly is what we're calling this spiritual event of crisis <laughs> in other words we have to first is we're calling this spiritual event of there need to be to why did Hashem need to split the sea? Like we said, it wasn't just to save the Jews. There has to be a spiritual reason. So the Rebbe says, inyonim." When we went out of Mitzrayim, there were two inyonim. There were two concepts, two things going on. the fact that we had to go out of Mitzrayim, u'mat and and the fact that Hashem wanted to give us the tera. And the tera connects them. Tavdun. Tavdun, sorry. Thank you. Um, so when you go out, when the people goes out of Mitzrayim, you should serve Hashem on this mountain. So you see, since it's put together in the same Pasuk, it's really part of one process. That we go out of Mitzrayim and we serve Hashem on the mountain. It's two, it's two parts of one whole. Suf was not so. So, which part was Kriyat connected to? Was it connected to the Goyad of Mitzrayim part, or was it connected to the Matan part? So, normally, on a simple level, you think of it as being connected to the Goyad of Mitzrayim part, right? But we just explained that that it wasn't about saving us from the Mitzrayim. I could have done it a different way, right? And everything that we said before. So, Kriyat Yamim lehayav eshvil ha'inyan dietsias Mitzrayim, atzmeisha rei Kriyat Yamsov, Haya achrei dietsias Mitzrayim. Right? It was after Yitzsiasmas mitzrayim was over. That part was finished. Okay, we could be Ma'ayan and how exactly that statement uh, fits with the story. That part it came and chased them afterwards. But this is what they're ever saying. And uh, it's not so in the what we're trying to bring out, so we'll keep moving from that. So Ki'im Shakriya Syamsuf Hayabishvil Matantaira. Rather, yamsuf was connected to the Matantaira part, not the going out of its Ryan part. Uh, the Kriyasi Yamsuf, so if so, then in order to understand the idea of Kriyas Yamsuf Yuvan Zebe Hektan Ha'avane the Matan so we have to understand what was Matan about if we understand, if we were saying that Kriyas Yamsuf was preparation for Matan and we want to understand Kriyas Yamsuf, so first we have to understand Matan so now, for the next piece, Rebbe is going to explain the concept of Matan the goal of Matan also to Yedua the Haskajas the Matantera. It's known that the Khidish, the novelty, the accomplishment, uh like says in Yiddish as the Uyftufun Matanteira is, right? The accomplishment of Matant of Matanteira, Shinn Nasa Hashabus, the Gashmis, Bakumries in Is that there became the attachment and the combination of physicality with spirituality. The Kaida Matanteira why so we're gonna compare and contrast. What was it like? What was the relationship between Rukhnis and Gashmis like before Matantaira? And what is it like after Matantaira? So the Kedam Matantaira, Lehaya Kashur Vikhi uh Kishur vichibur the Ruchnis and Gashmis. Before Matantaira there was no connection and there was no combining of Ruchnis with together with Kashmir's East of Medrish, Mashal Lamelak Shagazara so, Sharbin Remi, Layard the Surya. There's we can say an analogy of a king who made a decree. That the people from Rome should not go to Syria. And the people from from Syria should not go up to Rome. So in the same way, That the heavens are for Hashem, the earth is for people, the higher realms don't go down, and the lower realms don't go up. They're two separate types of things. (laughs) But <laughs> that was the decree that Hashem made at the beginning of creation, the original way that it should be. And the idea of Matan <laughs> is to break that decree. <laughs> like it says, Hashem came down onto Mount Sinai. And he told My Abaynu to go up to Hashem. So you see, Hashem can come down onto a physical mountain. And Mesher Abaynu, who's a physical person, can go up to Hashem. <laughs> So at matan there became the possibility of the physical world becoming more spiritual, and the spiritual becoming more present in the physical world. So after, and even though before matan meaning at the very beginning of creation, So, so says the Rebbe, we're going back now, a, a few lines ago we just said that before matan there was no connection. Now we're saying, okay, really, there was a connection. The connection is something that's called ha-mat li-laseis. Ha-mat li-laseis, the way it's explained in other places, from what I've seen. Anybody, if you've seen other explanations, you can add. But basically what it means is that Hashem's taking a neshama, a, a which is a spiritual thing, and putting it into a body, which is a physical thing. Seemingly spiritual and physical, they don't, or we said before, they don't connect. They shouldn't interact with each other. You can't really have one inside of the other one. This whole discussion we could get into. Of what does that even mean for a spiritual thing to be inside a physical thing? Spiritual things don't have shape. They don't have dimensions. They don't have height, length, width. So what does it mean to be inside? We'll leave that for another time unless somebody wants to discuss it. But um, so that's why it's hamasli Lasse. Hamasli is like pella, like it's a wonder that Hashem is able to do this. So that existed even from the beginning of creation. Especially in a person who's a small world, but we won't get into details how it is in the world versus how it is in the person. But um, but the point is that there was some kind of combination of of spiritual and physical even from the beginning of creation, even before Matan So there it says, even though that's true, he he ha'isa Nevertheless, says the Rabbi, even though yes, there was ruchnis in the gashmis, there was spiritual inside the physical. But the way that the spiritual affected the physical, it didn't really get in there in a full way. It didn't really impact it in a full way. Technically, yeah, they were connected, but the the gashmis did not change because the ruchnis was in it. The gashmis didn't become. Any more sensitive to Ruchnius, it didn't uh, become a place where Ruchnius could one day be revealed in a full way, like we're going to explain soon about after Matan Right? They they could technically be connected, but there was no real effect of the Ruchni on the Gashmi. Okay, Matan Gashmi This idea that the Ruchnius should come into the Gashmis and actually affect the Gashemis and actually change the Gashmis, that is the Chidosh HaMath and we're going to talk about what exactly is that change that the Ruchnis makes on the so We're going to explain more what we mean by that. But first, we connect it to the Avaita Hashem of the Aves. So the Rabbi says this is what it says in the Medrash in Shirashirim, Shemaisa HaAves, Says the acts of the aves that they did before you, before Hashem. they were smells. But us, shmecha, which the Mafreshen discusses exactly what that phrase means. It's a little bit hard to translate Shem um, shmecha. The Chabad.org official translation is, "Your name is oil poured forth," because turach means like. At least that's one way that the question explain it. I think you how Rashi explains it. But the the key point to realize for us is not we're not going to touch up every word of that phrase. But the point is to realize that for the aves, what they did is called reah. It's called smell. And what we did is called shemen. What we do, I should say, is called shemen oil. Behind the aves In other words, what the aves did was not. Affecting the the physicality itself, and it could be compared to a smell. Right? What happens when you smell? At the time of smelling, you feel that the thing is there. Right? When you take the thing away and you're no longer smelling it, there's nothing left of it. And the reason is because even at the time of the action, it was only just a smell, which is not something of substance and it doesn't have a real strong, sturdy existence to it. Other places, smell is contrasted from eating in this way. Eating, you take the thing and you eat it, and the thing goes away, but it really, even when it goes away, it stays with you, right? And you keep getting energy from it. Smell is not like that you smell it, while you're smelling it you experience it and then when you're done you're done, there's nothing left. So this is the relationship between Ruchni and Gashmi in the time of the obvious. The Ovest, did they bring Ruchnis and Gashmis together? 100% but while they were doing it there was a connection and when they stopped they stopped, there was no permanent effect of Ruchnis and Gashmi, it's no permanent change Abal <laughs> anu when we, after Matan Teirah, when we have a different spiritual power that's given to us by Matan Teirah, Shema <speaking in Hebrew> Turach Shmecha, for us it's oil, and the Rebbe doesn't explain here why oil, but we could speculate about that. gufa <speaking> gashmi, <in Hebrew> which means that the the effect is in the actual gashmi itself, and the gashmis is being changed in a real way by the ruchmias. The <speaking in Hebrew> that when you do a mitzvah after Matam Tserudah with a physical object so you're doing this spiritual process this spiritual accomplishment called Bir Vzikov, which we translate as refining it we can have a conversation about what exactly that really means and you bring Kedusha which of course Kedusha also we could discuss what that really means into the physical thing but without getting into those details right now the point is that there's actual transformation happening in the Gashmi you might not see it which we'll talk about soon but a mitzvah after Matan brings a spiritual transformation to a physical object a mitzvah that was done before Matan did not have that power and we're going to talk soon about what that transformation is the Lachain in Nishar that since and, and therefore since the the effect is, since the mitzvah is actually bringing ruchnis and the gashmis in a permanent way, so even after the mitzvah is over the effect stays, more like the food that we mentioned before, not like a smell right, you eat, you finish the fu'ula and there's still um, a residual effect afterwards, hopefully otherwise there's not much point of eating, right So so the Rebbe is going to bring this out in two ways this the fact that there's a a permanent effect. The first one is gonna be Api Nigla. And the second one is going to be Api Ksidis. And we're probably only gonna have time now for the for the nigla. Maybe we'll say the Khsidis very quickly. Or Kabbalah also I should say. Nigla and Nistar. So the we says didn't gam my Right? Certain objects not every object, which is going to be different. In the spiritual explanation, we're going to say it applies to every object, but in in the Nigel explanation, there's certain objects that when we do certain mitzvahs with them, so the object now becomes a holy object. New halachas apply to it. You might not be able to sell it. You might not be able to throw it away. You might really have to you might have to be careful not to let it go on the floor. right? There's certain laws that apply to a physical object that became holy. So how did it become holy is only after you use it for a mitzvah, and that Puts it into that different category halachically, and that halachic category is a reflection of the fact that something changed spiritually. So that's one way you see that after Matantairah, that the Rukhniyas affects the Gashmis in a permanent, real, transforming way. The calls that that all of this is specifically after Matantairah. Right, in some place there's a medrash or something that says that one of the aves Yaakov or Yitzchak, I forgot, they would do tefillin using sticks, right? And then afterwards Yaakov. they would throw Yaakov, yeah, and he would throw away the sticks afterwards, right? So we don't get to throw any pasuk the shalom. They didn't think about it. We don't throw away our tefillin after we use them, right? So what's the difference between these sticks and our and our tefillin? It's exactly this. This is what we're talking about. Our mitzvah is not because of anything with us, but just because of the kliyach of matan Torah. We actually bring spirituality into the physical object in a permanent way. And that's what they're ever saying here. The spiritual stays, it remains inside the physical. Even after the mitzvah is over. And how much more so at the actual time of the mitzvah? Which is not the case with the, the acts, the service, the mitzvahs that the Avis did. Even though, conceptually, they were really doing the same thing. They were also, like we're saying, doing tefillin and zuzah and everything that they were doing. It was the same stuff. Nevertheless, it was in a way of smell. That after they were done with that action... There was nothing left of the Ruchniis, and even at the time that they were doing the mitzvah, it wasn't affecting the Gashmites the same way. Now, let's very quickly... We have time? My reference is for a minute.
1: Four minutes? We can continue the
0: line. Yeah, we can go. it's better this time. So... more time <laughs> right, it's, uh, it's well, this piece, we'll, we're definitely going to come back to it next week and do it more properly. But let's just start it because this is really where we get into what we want to discuss. So, the the inner um, explanation of what's going on over here. You have four worlds. Split them into two categories. Certain similarities that we, for that reason, we group them together. But these two categories, Atzilis and Biyah, were two separate things. Then in Biyah, what is it about Idam that we put them in one category? Is they feel they experience themselves as being separate from Hashem. Really, nothing is separate from Hashem. The only thing that exists is Hashem, and He's just expressing Himself in different ways. But the Idam like us, feel like we're something separate from Hashem. The Lias Biah he ne la vadza is net iu viha yu kumuihad, which talk about that means soon. But it's not a place of feeling oneness with the sham. Allahzois Shugam Aylaman is a sholo if them ra but in addition to not feeling one with the sham, was also the beginning of something called Ra, something called bad. Uh y gur chara, but in at silis there's no such thing as ra. <laughs> that for this reason, and for this reason, there can't be, or there couldn't be, a combination of atzilus and biyah. as <laughs> Chachos the Matan Torah who says Yeh atzilus and biyah, of Matan is that these two types of worlds, which are very different from each other, should come together. The Afshagam after Matan Torah is the Zelviah Shabria who has Cholodam Tziasaga and Kolmakim he Nezehu has Chachos the Matan Torah as atzilus Yumshak with biyah biyah is all of even though there are two different types of worlds. Atsilis can go down. Biyah can go up. These two different types of worlds can somehow come together. That's what happens through Matz Ad asher la'at la'at. Until so slowly, slowly. Piece by piece. Little by little. However you want to translate that. Yishtavo atsilis v'bia. Atsilis and Biyah become equal. Asher Biyah ye, ye Now, we have to stop now. But if we can decode this paragraph of Atsilis and Biya, we're going to be well on our way to understanding the spiritual experience of both Kiyos Yamsov and the so we'll pick up with that next time. <sighs> <sighs>